0: Did you know that not all zirconia is the same? Zircad Prime Zirconia from Ivoclar is uniquely produced with GT technology, which allows two powders that normally center at different intervals to be combined into one material which centers uniformly. The manufacturing process not only optimizes the translucent properties, but also creates a seamless progression of shade while maintaining optimal strength. Zircad Prime and Prime Aesthetic is now more affordable than ever and will give you the results that your dentist will notice. Contact us today to learn more about Zerkad Prime and how Ivoclar can support your success. Tell them you heard it on the podcast and get a free Prime or Prime Aesthetic Disc to try. Just use promo code 723. For all this information, visit the Ivoclar tab on the Voices from the Bench website. This is Laura Gilbert, Director of Technical Marketing at Ivoclar, wishing you a successful 2024.
1: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at VoicesFromTheBench.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Greetings and welcome to episode 302 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. What's happening, Barb? How are
2: you? Good. Yeah. You gotta say happy New Year still because it's still in the first week, I think maybe going into the second.
1: We'll let it go.' We're, right. it, we're the second Monday of the new year. We'll still let you say <laughs> New Year. All right. I woke up the other day to our first official accumulated snowfall here in Indiana. Ooh, how was
2: that?
1: As someone that was really looking forward to go for a run? No. Not welcomed. Yeah, Sorry. we had about two inches.
2: Is that a lot?
1: Um, it's pretty common to get started. We'll probably see a couple more inches by the end of winter. Oh, well,
2: fantastic.
1: Yeah, so that means I have to go run at our local gym,
2: No, oh, uh, wow. which
1: is an indoor track.
2: Right. Oh, that's not bad. At least it's a track.
1: Yes, I can't do treadmills anymore. My brain cannot comprehend that. But going around the track 12 times equals a oh, mile.
2: God. Oh, God. I ran around <laughs> that track
1: seventy-two times. Oh
2: no! <laughs> I don't know if that's worse or better than a treadmill, Elvis. <laughs> oh.
1: A little dizzy when I was done. Uh,
2: <laughs> All right. Well, at least you did it. You know. Yeah, that's true. Put one in your corner for running around the tracks. Hey,
1: I still got out there. Yes. And ran when most of the city and state didn't because of the snow. So. there yeah. you go. So we were gonna record Friday, but you couldn't something about filming at your lab what are you guys making a movie you know
2: people want to put things online and you know i just think anything that you should do you should do really well and so we just had like one of the guys that's running our sales uh brought his brother in who actually does it for a living and they set up you know, they took pictures of cases and they filmed us individually talking about our individual laboratories and what we do and how it benefits our clients. It's more for doctors. Sure. You know, to Kind of get to know me and a CAC group in the lab. And, you know, so it, it was fine. It took all day. It, yeah. it ran my nerves up a little bit because I'm like you. I like doing audio. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't
2: think anybody's as comfortable unless you really like it in front of the camera. So, you know, sure. it took me. Several takes to calm down and get my heart rate back to normal, but you know it's done. Let's just put it that way.
1: So, did you like get your hair did and did the whole makeup and thing? And I fixed myself up before I
2: more than I normally do.
1: (laughs) Did do the uh, air hose shower? Just just get all the dust off.
2: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it's done. We'll see how it
1: goes. Where can we see these? Will they be on your website? Sure, you're
2: gonna see them on LinkedIn and like that.
1: So yeah. I, I will totally share those to our fans. <laughs> yeah, you
2: and Joe can make
1: fun of me. I'm sure you will. <laughs> and we will.
2: I know. All right, so what's going on? So, yeah,
1: now that we're well into January and the start of 2024, we finally get yeah. to say that LMT Lab Day Chicago is next month.
2: I know, and I've seen it all over the web. So,
1: yeah, yeah. people are excited. I think since it's not an IDS year, It's going to be huge.
2: It's always huge, but yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it gets bigger when
1: IDS isn't going on because the companies have more money to spend in Chicago.
2: Bigger's better!
1: Yep. We will once again be in the large and fabulous Clark Ballroom, which is right across the hall from the registration desks.
2: I know. Cannot wait.
1: So for those that don't know, this is the biggest dental lab meeting of the year in the U.S., and if you can be there, you better be going. That's right. Because every year, thousands of amazing technicians head to the wintry cold of Chicago, and we check out the vendors, the seminars, the classes, the parties, the get-togethers, the food, the drinks, and we all talk things teeth. <laughs> it's such an amazing time. Uh, yeah. Cannot wait. February 22nd to the 24th, which is a Thursday to a Saturday, But Barb and I, we're going to be recording the second half of Friday and all day Saturday. And I'm going to be on time. Yeah, because (laughs) Cal Lab's closer. You just have to walk underneath the ground in the hall. I know. Yeah. So much more convenient. So much more. We want everyone to come and say hi and hopefully sit down with us and be on the podcast. You know what I'd really like to see this year? What? I'd really like to catch up with some past guests that we've had on. They just want to come on and for 20 minutes talk about the exciting things they've been doing since their episode aired.
2: And Elvis really likes the 20 minutes, so brace yourself. (laughs) And I'm always the one going, there's a line, Elvis, there's a line.
1: (laughs) Okay, if you can only give me 10, that's fine.
2: That'll work. As long as there's 100 of you, then we have plenty of content.
1: Yeah. So just make sure you head over to lmtmag.com to register for Lab Day. It's free. And then come see us in the Ivocolor Ballroom. And we will see you there. So we have talked a lot about 3D printing on this podcast.
2: A few times.
1: Quite a bit. We talked to the people that use it, people that sell the printers, and even some of the people that make all the resins. But there's a whole new 3D printer in our industry that is just taking off. Oh, yeah. Metal printing. It's crazy. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah. This week, we got to talk to Josh Williams from GPS Dental Labs in Orlando. Actually, he's part of their GPS RPD division that only prints frames for other labs. We love the fact that we get introduced to metal printing on this podcast, not from the manufacturer of the printers, but from a technician who actually did frames the old analog way. Oh, God, that's pain in the then to printing resin and casting to this new and better way of just printing the metal yay josh talks about his journey in dental technology how he opened up his own lab in a bait shop (laughs) to partnering up with gps to bring them to this new level of technology we learn all about the processes their early struggles of getting it right what it takes to run these machines the post-processing it takes and how they compare to the frames that we're used to. So join us as we chat with Josh Williams. Whether you're looking to elevate your craftsmanship or looking to cut back on cost, look no further. Vita MFT teeth are the
2: ultimate solution for creating lifelike and stunning smiles.
1: Crafted with precision and backed by cutting edge technology, Vita MFT teeth offer unparalleled aesthetics and durability. And since Vita believes
2: in the power of experiencing excellence firsthand, for a limited time only, they are offering you the chance to get a complimentary case sample.
1: That's right, a full case, absolutely free. Just visit VitaNorthAmerica.com forward slash free MFT.
2: Don't wait any longer to start providing your customers a premium tooth at an economy price. Redeem your free case sample, and if you're ready to buy, Vita will even give you an extra 10% off discount by shopping online on their newly launched online store.
1: Join the Vita family today, and we appreciate your support of the podcast.
2: Hey, it's Candelor from Switzerland. Whether digital or analog, there are many ways to work in removable prosthetics. And you decide how you want to work at your bench. We provide you the materials to do so. With our new X-Molds of the Physiosat TCR Toothline, you can cover a large part of your daily work. Whether complete dentures, partial dentures or hybrid prosthetics, there is always a solution. Our Swiss School of Prosthetics in Springfield, Missouri will be happy to teach you a few more things you learn for life, right? You'll be supported and supplied by our authorized dealer, Edmund's Dental Supply. Check out our website,
1: candelore.com. Candelore, high-end only. Voices from the Bench The Interview We are super excited today to bring us somebody from Barb's home state from an old friend of ours, GPS dental, Josh Williamson joins us. How are you, sir? Doing good, doing good awesome so like i mentioned gps we had andrew on the podcast many 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 years ago yep and back in that interview andrew kind of dropped this bomb that he's like i'm gonna be getting into metal printing and doing partials a couple years later here we are and you're running the whole thing right i am that's fantastic i see your post on social media you're printing a uh I don't know what the correct term is for a buttload of metal, but you are printing a buttload of metal.
3: It's, it's quite a few. We like to average about 60, and uh, we just added to the fleet, so that will be picking up after the first of the year. That's fantastic. So
1: before we start nerding out on printing metal, which I'd love to learn more about, what about yourself? How did you get into this whole industry?
3: Well, actually, ages ago, about oh, 16 years ago or so now, a friend of mine was working at a dental lab, and I was mowing grass doing landscaping and was cruising by him, and I said, hmm, you guys seem to be having more fun than I am. It was August and 100 degrees in Florida, so jumped in there <laughs> and <degrees. laughs> got thrown in the model room like everybody else and kind of just grew it from there. It was uh, the old top quality partials, if anybody still remembers those days. I did about 10 years there, and then they got bought out by National Dentex and... Fun corporate stuff and all of that. So yeah. We left the corporate world. I had a little bit of a no-compete, which is always super fun. Mm-hmm. Kind of started my own little business from there. Kind of, you know, waited for my two-year no-compete. And then uh, I actually opened my own little removals lab. We bought a bait shop and turned a bait store into a dental lab. Come on. How'd you get rid of the worm smell? It, you know, it never goes away. It, it, they had the <laughs> live fish tanks and whatnot. So it was like... The ultimate smell. <laughs> <laughs> Both
2: my sons are fishermen, just saying, so I totally get it. Can you guys hear my bells? <laughs>
1: yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Okay, that's
2: on my neck. Sorry, it's Christmas <laughs> Okay,
1: time. just don't all move, Barb, <laughs> for the next hour. <laughs> all right. So we're, for 10 years, you worked at a lab. Were you in the model room all 10 years?
3: No, no, I went through the, uh, the entire stage of metal there. So I started in the models uh, back when we were doing, you know, casting refractory models. And oh, whatnot. sure. So all of that fun stuff, and then I moved into metal finishing. After that, kind of rolled through there and did most of my time in that, as well as kind of bouncing around. I repair a lot of equipment, and uh, mm.
1: you were boom. that guy in the lab, huh?
3: Oh, uh, I'm the one that they always bring their problems to. It's, <laughs> it's well, fun. Metal finishing is tough. Yeah, you lose, you lose fingers in your fingers. Oh uh, yeah. You don't, have, you don't have fingerprints for a while, so it's real hard to get into, you know, any biometric place or anything like that. It's it's fun.
1: But easier to commit crimes.
3: I, I guess so, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you went through metal. Did you get into any digital back then?
3: Very little. When I left there, they had bought a bunch of the BAGO printers. My oh my god, we had going. those. Yep. Yeah, that went super well, is everybody else's experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Early no 3 comments. printing. <laughs> it was a struggle, and they ended up actually... Throwing a lot of that stuff in the trash. So now, other than the printers, all like the pressure chambers and all of the equipment used for that, they threw in the garbage. So I ended up with a bunch of stuff at my house. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Oh, did you go dumpster diving for it? Didn't even have to. So the guys there, you know, corporate, they, they've got a, a list of what's cheapest to do and what's not. And I guess it was cheaper to throw it away than it was to ship it. So yeah, sure. I, I just pulled my truck up out back and they actually just loaded it in there. I got a laser welder. They threw away a laser welder. So You're
2: kidding me.
3: And it worked. I, I did laser welding at my house for, geez, two years. Well, wow. so they allowed you to pretty much set up your own lab by throwing everything out? I'm telling you, that's basically how I started my own lab is because that's I was like, well, I, I have a shop full of dental equipment and I I don't really do much dental at the house. So why don't we go ahead and uh, fill up this bait shop?
1: Wow. So what'd you do for the two years that you had a non-compete?
3: I So again, fixing equipment and whatnot, uh, pretty handy. So I started a handyman business actually. So I was just doing like basic home repairs and whatnot so it was wow
1: uh, it was interesting that is fascinating see a lot of interesting stuff doing that going to everybody's house so after you got out for two years for some reason you still went back yeah i did
3: a full year of just that and then the second year we were setting up the lab we already had plans we already had a you know, put it in place and whatnot, just couldn't put my name on anything. So, we were we were setting that up and building that as that was going on. I actually, doing home repairs, ran into a guy and I turned off a water hose and he came running out and he's like, Hey, you turned off the, the water to my lab. And I'm like, What are you talking about? I walked over, I looked, I was like, How are you doing dentures? And he's, You've got to yeah. be kidding me. What a small in his, world. In his backyard in a shed. And I was, and he's from Canada, You know, moved down here directly from Canada, started here. I was like, That's,
1: what are the chances? So it was really cool. So when you opened up the lab in the bait shop, what kind of lab did you open?
3: It was just removables. It was mostly acrylic. We also did flexibles and whatnot, but yeah, mostly mostly just acrylic work. So how
1: did you learn how to do
3: removables? Dabbling in the lab, I kind of knew how to do everything. Uh, any downtime and whatnot, I was, I've was. i got the attention span of a gnat, so I can't sit still, and I would just <laughs> bounce around. I can do enough to get by in just about every department now, so I kind of run through I can, you know, run over there and do dye trimming. I can't do ceramics. That's the one thing I can't do. I'm I'm terrible. But any anything else kind of throughout the lab, I just kind of stuck my nose in and, and figured it out and, you know, trial and error, got pretty good at a little bit of everything. That's pretty ballsy.
1: So talk about growing your, your own lab. You hung a shingle, as they say, on a bait shop. And how'd you start getting work? Just hitting the streets and going out there face to face and
3: going to all the local dentists that kind of... You know, I had, I didn't have a giant reputation, but where we came from, at least they kind of knew me and I, you know, talked to a lot of these doctors. So we just kind of started slow and started off, you know, one or two here and there. And eventually it got to the point where we were, we're pretty busy. I think we had. Oh man, like eight doctors. By the time that I, I left there, it, it was it was picking up. It was it was it was a good good run there. You, you say we say we who?
2: hey Elvis. That was my... <laughs> you say we who you? did you have a partner or a wife or what?
3: No, well my, my wife is in the industry. She actually works at the lab here. But uh, it was the guy that I ran into that had the lab in his background. His name was Paul. We you know we started that and whatnot and. Anybody that started their own lab uh, knows that it's about twice as busy as working in a lab. So yeah. I had a daughter at the time. Uh, when she was born, I had to kind of go back to working for someone because I couldn't put in, you know, 20-hour days anymore. I just turned it back to the 10-hour day usuals.
1: Sure. Yeah. So yeah.
3: That, that was that. was that. He's still up and running. I passed him. I stopped by and talked to him all the time, and he's still he's still trucking along right there.
1: He's, still, oh, in the bait he's shop? still
3: in the bait shop. He's still in the bait <laughs> shop. He's still got one of one of our guys that works here actually goes there after hours and works a, a second job there to, to help him out. still.
2: so you helped him graduate to a bait shop from a shed in the backyard. That's pretty fascinating. It was a it was a step, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> uh, it's
3: a wow. smaller step, but it's a step. Yeah, now he's got a real building. He can leave and and escape the wife and go you know to work and actually escape rather than just go in the backyard because she would just come out and yell at us all time. Are you guys done? <laughs> <Uh-oh>.
2: <laughs> so when you had your daughter, that's when you realized that the 20 hour days, yeah, it was time for you to go back and, and work 10. So that's when you went to work where you're at now? Uh, no, actually I went to uh,
3: team solutions from there. Uh, another lab here in Orlando and I, I put in a few years there. I actually started there and they didn't have uh, partials. They weren't doing partials. They, they were, you know, just kind of getting it Set up and the owner of Team Solutions was my prior boss at uh, Florida Laboratories at National Dentex when I went there, which that's yeah, yeah, yeah. bought the first place. Top quality Partials got bought out by the corporation and whatnot. So, yeah, it was a, a pretty easy walk in there. He was happy to see a face that he recognized and let me kind of just set it up. I set up the entire partials, and same thing, I, I was about three years there of the only partial tech, and that kind of ramped up to the point where, you know. 10 hour days, turned into 12 hour days, turned into 14 hour days. And then I was like, all right, I'm in the same situation I was before. So I got to, I got to tone it back. So
2: came over here to GPS. What was the workflow that you set up there? What were you printing? Uh, we weren't metal printing. We were print to cast. So we would resin print, you know, the framework and then
3: cast it. So we were still casting at the time. So it was still a lot of manual labor. And I was doing everything from design to, you know, finishing and processing and, and everything, investing and casting. I was, I, I was the guy. So it was, wow. it was a lot when it got up to about 20 frames a day.
1: Yeah. So did you used to wax the frames? Back in the top quality
3: days, I dabbled in wax. Um, I'm a little too impatient for wax. I can muscle through it and I can make a really ugly partial, but I am no
1: good at wax. So I did everything but wax. Well, I'm just kind of curious because I've heard a lot of people mention that printed wax frames compared to hand wax frames, the hand waxes are better.
2: Yeah. I heard that like five years ago, but I'm assuming they're getting better as the the years go.
3: I, you know, it it was really about that finding the the right resin that burned out clean and actually came out like you wanted it to.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. We didn't even use the resin that was even intended for this. It was more of a model resin. The one we kind of you know burned out the cleanest really? and gave us the best result. But they were a lot cleaner than anything that was done on a refractory. Those refractories are just notorious for porosity and holes and pits and bubbles and fun stuff. So it was a step in the right direction. It was definitely easier than doing the old you know castings, but I wouldn't say it's anywhere near as clean as what we do now. Definitely an in between step.
1: Yeah. So you would design on three shape.
3: Yep. We would design on three shape and then just resin print that. You would still put the little you know supports uh, whenever you would uh, put it in the ring to invest it. You would get two or three in each one, so it was a little easier too with not investing you know one ring per frame every time on a refractory model.
1: Yeah, and then you still had to polish it when you were done.
3: Oh, you still had all that fun stuff. That process was you know identical. It's still actually very similar now. Um, just. You know a lot more clean so there's a lot less bubbles and porosity and whatnot you just you get you get a much cleaner frame to come out of you now you're just yeah the ports. what's the difference so with a casting you're you got that liquid metal that's trying to get through all your you know your little orifices and whatnot as you you cast a lot of time curved it just is not like it so you get a lot of short castings and a lot of bubbles and a lot of just hits and whatnot it's just not the greatest process as well as the metal you know it's it pours when you're shooting it through there and it shrinks whenever you do that there's there's a lot to the fit, greatly improved with printing, for sure. So you used to cast it, now you print the metal? Yep, print straight out. Whenever the printer's done, you pull it out, and you have a, a plate that's just full of finished frames. What the hell kind of metal is that? It's still chrome cobalt. Wow.
2: Nope. I did not know that. I'm going to run it through a
1: dealing, but that's it. Andrew wanted to start doing this. Did he approach you, or did you approach him? So when
3: I left team solutions uh one of the big things that they had been talks for uh, at least a year it was getting a metal printer and Uh we kept talking about talking about it and things had kind of moved in a couple different directions it wasn't happening you know so that was one of the things that i really wanted to get into i saw you know how it was coming and, and how it's evolved and when i came here i just kind of mentioned you know hey we've been looking at metal printing and he didn't say anything but i kind of saw the you know the spark there he was he was definitely interested <laughs> oh, okay after about six months of just doing uh just removals work around the lab he came to me and was like hey how do you feel about metal printing say no more i'm a hundred percent in so we just started the research fund and, and going through and picking who we wanted to go with and that took about eight months before we finally made a decision
1: i mean those things aren't cheap
3: yeah <laughs> no no they're not <laughs> especially when you have no idea what you're getting into.
2: Can you go through the part of researching? Like, what do you look at? What do you do? I mean, eight months is a long time to pick the right one. So like, what's that process like? So we met with about every rep
3: we could find, looking at the shows, just kind of seeing products, sending a bunch of samples out. Negotiating price was a huge thing. You know, obviously we, we kind of wanted to plan for growth. Um, at the time when we were doing this, they, they didn't have a ton of partials coming through there. Right. So we wanted something to cover that, but we obviously wanted something to, to grow because we couldn't put a lab in that was going to do strictly metal printing and not have the ability to grow. So finding the machine that would fit our price, as well as keep up with our quantity that we're looking to put out, uh-huh. um, it, it was challenging. And after hearing what the rep says and then actually talking to you know like the actual uh, manufacturers and whatnot, they differ a lot of times. Uh, right. Yeah. can do it too. oh, you'll get 10 frames on this plate and you talk to them and you're, you're good to get six on a good day so it was it was a lot of that uh bouncing back and forth and uh waiting on you know just samples and whatnot that took like a month from every manufacturer so we think we were getting somewhere we get samples back they look good we get in talks and then we get a sample back from someone else and we oh well this one looks good we kind of bounced around so it was a lot of research just on the printing side as well just learning what we were going to get into
1: this was back in 22 right
3: Yes, this. so we actually pulled the trigger in early of 22, but we didn't get everything here and set up and running until the end of October of 22.
1: So how many players are in this game, do you think, that sell these sort of printers in our industry? Is there a lot?
3: It is. It, it's a lot, but a lot of them, uh, the Chinese market is really just booming. It's it's exploding because they yeah. see a bit to it. So you see multiple. I mean close to ten suppliers or, or manufacturers that we've gone through and they uh, they're not necessarily different. They're all the same printer just rebranded. So we started mm. kind of running into that. And then the same thing about you know getting service whenever you buy something with not a US based builder, it, it was hard to try to figure out the service. We got told a lot of times it would be weeks, you know things get solved within two weeks and we're like, well that's a long time. To yeah, it's not time. gonna work. No, yeah. that's not gonna work. We can't put it down for weeks. So there is, I would say, about eight right now that are big names, uh, well-supported yeah. here, and it's it's ever-growing. The people that we went through um, when we got our first four printers, we got four printers to start off, they were the first ones in the U.S. So we did kind of take a dive into something that nobody knew about. Uh, they were the first printers that the reseller had sold. They're German-made and whatnot, so they had a backing in the uh, U.K., but they just hadn't had anything here, so it was... It was a leap, but they worked with us really well and gave us a great deal being that we were the first ones. So that's kind of what made our decision was they, they managed to beat the price of a... We were looking at exact metal and they actually came in and, and were like, hey, they were neck and neck on the production-wise. It was pretty, you know, no-brainer whenever they came back with a price that beat theirs by a good bit. So that was the deciding factor there.
2: So you may not know the answer to this, but is it liquid metal? And if so, how does that work? So it's actually called powder bed
3: fusion is what this process is. So it's a powder metal. And it actually, you sieve it each time. You, you clean it and whatnot. And it's a really tiny, like a 10 micron grain. Mm-hmm. It's got one reservoir that feeds that metal, which is just powdered metal. And the other side is your build plate. It puts a layer. So we run a 40 micron layer. So it puts a 40 micron layer of metal across you know, the top of your build plate. Right. It lasers that layer in. And then just repeats that process over and over. The build plate drops a little bit, puts another 40 micron layer over, lasers
2: that, and then repeat. That's fantastic. And how long yeah. does it take to do one?
3: Uh, well, that really depends on the the higher build. Um, we average about a five-hour build on our small ones. And uh, we, we've we only been running the new one a little over a week now, but it averages about nine
2: hours. Wow.
3: So you can run them overnight and then oh, come right. in and get ready to go in the morning. Yep, that's the plan. That's what we normally do. We run one run uh, on each printer during the day. And then right before we leave, we cycle those and then run the
2: other at night. Can you hook into it? Like if you're at home and something happens, can you dial into it on your phone and fix it?
3: You can, but a lot of the things that you're going to run into is not, it's going to be a physical issue. So the little supports that are printed sometimes kind of fall off or break or something like that. And that can actually jam like the arm that, that puts the powder on there, the coder arm. Um, that seems to be like the most common is what we have. It's, it just sees resistance, so a little piece of a supporter fall in there. That's something you have to physically get in there and do. Most of the yeah. things you can do remotely are going to be like settings, changes. Cool. You, can, you can do a few things, but most of the time, no, nah, you're, you're just kind of stuck with it. Yeah. Most of the
2: time, you either have to go in or wait until the morning. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So does it depend on how many frames you're printing, or is it based upon on how high off the build plate it is for length of time?
3: It's a combination. So generally speaking, more frames, your build is going to be higher regardless of what you're doing. Okay. But it, just like resin printing, it's the amount of layers you're throwing down. Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, if it's 40 micron, and you've got that many layers, that little arm has to circulate around the machine and put that layer over and over. The laser is actually faster than the arm. So it's it's based on, on layering. So it's definitely the height of your build.
1: So what do you just dump a bunch of powder in the back of the machine and it just kind of dispenses it out?
3: Yep. It's like two cylinders is how it works. You have one cylinder that's your feed cylinder that holds all your powder and you have your other cylinder, which is your actual build plate. So it's build plate drops as the layers go on and your reservoir goes up and then feeds that that extra little 40 micron layer each time. So it's just got a reservoir. You just dump your powder in and let it go.
1: Interesting. Where do you get a box of powdered metal from? Is that from a distributor?
3: <laughs> yep. So we actually use Schefter Metal. It's a big uh, metal over in Europe. It's really flexible. It's, it's We've had good results with it and whatnot. Uh, amazing shine and whatnot on there. So we've been running theirs. There are other metals here. You know, Bago actually has recently come out. They've got a uh, powdered metal. Denturum is another big name that's out there. Uh, there's quite a few metal powders out there.
2: And uh, like the patients, is it like allergy tested and all of that? I mean, is Oh, it, yeah. It's, it's- got to
3: go through all the same testing like your normal metal that you would be casting with. So wow. it's uh, most of the time it's exactly the same metal. So it's just granulated instead of like an ingot form. So it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. stuff it has to be, you know, health code. You still get your uh, metal stickers where it was certified. So there is there's just as much research that goes into the powdered metal as it is anything else. It's crazy.
1: Do they come out of the printer hot?
3: Not as hot as you think. Yeah. Warm? I would say warm. Yeah. So after you, you, you print your frames, they do have to go in, in an oven, like an annealing cycle. So you run it up to about a thousand degrees Celsius. Uh, they, now that they come out pretty hot. And so what does that do, like
2: meld everything together?
3: No, it's completely solid when they come out of the printer. That's actually to reduce the stress. So when it prints, you're, it's full of supports, just like you'd see on a resin printer. You've got a bunch of supports that pop up and, and hold you know, your frames in place. Uh-huh. There's so much force or, or so much stress on those because it was lasered, so it was rapidly hot and then basically rapidly cooled. You know, So it's, it actually holds a lot of stresses. If you were to cut those supports off, they would try to spring in the shape that they have their ah, stresses. You know, that makes sense. So, yeah, you're actually, you're not taking it to, like, a liquid state. You're just taking it to, uh, like I said, it's ours particular is 1,000 degrees. You take it to 1,000 degrees. It releases all those stresses. It's only in the oven for 15 minutes, so it's really not that long. Ramps to 1,000, sits there for 15 minutes, and we pull it straight out of the oven and set it on a cooling rack. So it's it's just a fast stress relief. Huh.
1: I bet you it's glowing when you take that thing out.
3: It is molten. It is so hot. <laughs> we have a big hood above it, so it's, it catches most the heat. But pulling that thing out of there, we have, like, a, a little tray that we pull it onto and move the called a charge box it's inside our oven you have to run uh argon to keep the porosity and the oxidation off the oh, metal yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. it's it's got a little box in those you have to pull out and it is very hot
2: you can't cool that fast us ceramists we like to grab things out of the oven not right out of the oven of course but and then put them between our hands and <laughs> blow in them and try to cool them down that's not happening
3: Nope, it is far too hot. Like <laughs> I it's a thousand, and they are yeah. It is a glowing box. It melts everything around it. Uh, we use welding gloves, and they instantly start smoking. And oh it's wow, fun. it's a lot of fun.
2: That's like <laughs> over. That's over two thousand degrees Fahrenheit. That well over that, isn't it? A thousand uh, Celsius. That's a good question. I think it's I should look at my conversion chart. I think it's 1,800 somewhere
1: in there. Yeah. Okay. It's hot. Yeah, <laughs> just saying that it's hot.
3: It's hot. What happens if you didn't anneal it? Well, that would leave those stresses. So as soon as you break off the supports, the frames would actually bend. So they do have stresses on them in different directions, depending on the curvature of the frame. Uh, so imagine like a, a cup style. It's easier to, to close, you know, like a C, I guess. A C would would want to you know, close the, the points to make an O. That's what mm-hmm. they naturally want to do. So when you cut their supports off, all those frames are going to want to kind of warp and bend.
1: So interesting okay so after the anneal process what do you do you cut off the support how the hell do you cut off metal supports?
3: i made a rather sketchy saw so <laughs> a sketchy saw okay. a little scary it's uh it's it's very florida um oh yeah <laughs> you might be a redneck it's it's something uh i mounted a bandsaw on like a plate and i have a slide so you mount the, the plate that we pull out, the build plate after it's cooled down, you, it's got little screws in the bottom where you can mount it. So it mounts to this little sliding apparatus I made, and you kick the saw and you slide it through it. So it's kind of like a desk drawer with a saw blade on it.
2: Huh. Sounds cool. And it works, I'm sure, right? And You don't have to slice a finger off while you're at it. I put a, I put a
3: handle. Um, it's still sketchy. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, it definitely works. I wouldn't let the novice go in there and, and start trying at it, but the guys yeah. here are pretty good. Yeah, understood. So
1: that cuts all of them off of the build plate, but you still have to sit there and cut each individual support off of each individual frame, right?
3: Of course you do. Um, that is rather time-consuming because they are how we support them to get more frames, and we can get uh, our smaller printers on a, a 110 millimeter build plate, and we can we average seven frames on that. So we're doing a pre-clustered bunch of frames in there, so it does take a lot of support. And they actually just use like a pair of uh, wire snippers and, and just slowly go through there and cut all their supports off of there. Um, once you get them separated, oh. they cut the frames pretty easy. It's not too bad. But the separation of the cluster is kind of the complicated part though.
1: So I didn't realize just like a wire snipper will cut those things.
3: It So the supports are made. Whenever they go to the frame, they taper to a, a very small point. So the support is relatively thick, but where they actually attach is small. So they're, they, they've they had that in mind that makes it a lot easier so it isn't just a hard support on that frame and you'd be bending them and trying to get them off. But the little supports are small enough that, yeah, just a pair of snippers, uh,
1: they go through, then just flip them off. And then what, do you have to go buff off every single one of those points?
3: Yep. So that's that's what they consider finishing now. So they're not actually, like, shaping the frames or getting them to fit or doing any of that anymore. It's uh, It's grown to basically support removal, And then you throw them, we have a, a, it's called a light. It's an automatic polishing unit. So you you clip 12 frames in that thing and it spins around and it does the majority of your, I say, quote unquote,
2: finishing and polishing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Cause that's a horrible job.
3: I'm telling you, I wish that was around about 15 years ago. Yeah,
2: no doubt. (laughs) So yeah,
3: they throw them in there and then they, um, they have a much easier job of doing, they still hand polish every one of them. They still go over it with a rubber wheel and do just like the old style so that they look and fit and feel just like a standard frame but
2: it's about a thousand times easier. Are you guys doing frames for other laboratories or are they mostly uh, doctors? So we have
3: work part, uh, obviously GPS is one, the mothership there. We're the ones doing all of theirs. So they work with the doctors, Mm -hmm. but us here, we call it GPS RPD. We only work at labs. It is amazing.
2: Yeah. I was thinking that. Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah. It sorts out a lot of those problem cases you get in or the just Trash scans and whatnot that you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. At least a little barrier between you know us and them.
2: Do they design their own frames and send them to you designed, or do you have a myriad of of things where you do some designs and?
3: Yep, exactly. Some people like their designs. Some people just send us just an STL. They'll do all the, the hard work for us and send it in um, for the same price. We design it here. If, if you know, most I would say the majority kind of just drop them and say, "Hey, make a frame. Uh, give us brief instructions of whatever it is." But we do we do the majority of the designing. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you do everything you could with their traditional method? I mean, rest seats, obviously, but, you know, I mean, all those frame nuances are all able to be done digitally?
3: Yep. They're able to be done, and they're able to be done much more precisely. So there's a lot of uh, attachment housings and and whatnot that before, when casting, they were a nightmare, and the doctors would normally end up just saying, ah, I'll just pick it up in acrylic in the mouth and make it easier. Mm Mm-hmm. Now we can print all of those to such an accuracy that it is—it's making our job too easy. It's great. I love it.
1: That's cool. Do you print a model
3: every time? We do. We print. Uh, we don't have a model room here. I love to say it. We are completely digital here in the RPD lab. Uh, so that everybody gets a a frame and a printed model on every case. Wow.
1: What do you print the models on?
3: We just have a uh, resin printer. So we Hagears, uh, hey the brand Hagears, hey has a okay. awesome automated model printer. So they just they, that thing runs all day just pumping out models Yeah, i've got the hay gears too they're badass. they really i, love are. It. They, I mean we at the main lab they've got some carbons that are you know they're pretty quick but i feel like that hay gears for models is yeah it's untouchable automated yeah. you don't have to be there it cuts it off the plate
2: dumps it in a can and you come back later to a, a bucket of finished models yeah and they just keep going and going and going and going you can nest them all night long i mean that yeah i would yep. agree they're I think great was great We've
3: got the reservoir for the for the resin, so even if you forget, it's got four jugs down there, so it just keeps. When one goes empty, it pulls in the next one. Uh,
1: you smart. can hook up four jugs of resin. It's,
3: actually, it's a separate. It's actually a completely separate like piece of equipment, and it's got a little pump in there, and it's got the four reservoirs, and each reservoir, and you just put a jug of uh, resin in there, and it's got a scale, and it'll tell you when it's getting low, and it's as easy as it gets. When one runs out, it shifts to the next one automatically. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Printers have come a long ways. So true. Well, I want to go back to the electro polishing. What exactly is that? I mean, it's you said it just go. You stick six frames in there and it moves, tumbles it around like a rock polisher. So we used to use um, a a tumbler
3: polisher back in the uh, casting days. It was made for sure. mass finishing. They were. They came out with a great quality finish on them but when they tumble around all by themselves they can kind of interlock those clasps and whatnot and they would come out all bent and warped and whatnot and it was frustrating mm-hmm. so oh, what yeah. this does it actually has like a little apparatus that has clamps on each one that you clamp individual frames on every arm so it can hold 12 frames at a time kind of like a roach clip basically <laughs> <laughs> and it it spins around it it's got a media in there that does have um, kind of like the electro polishers that you guys would think of like the acid polishers and yeah whatnot. yeah, yeah. It has little balls of acid inside the media. So, as it starts, it adds moisture and activates those little acid balls because it does use electro polishing, you know, it does running current through there and whatnot. So, that does the stripping of the frame and the more of the finish side. And then it actually dries itself. So, it pumps air in there, dries the media, and polishes on the second stage. Oh, that's fantastic. They they are really nice. We've got ours dialed in. So, we run it, uh, it does 12 frames in less than 30 minutes.
2: That's got to save you guys so much labor. It's not even funny.
3: I, there's only five of us that work here, so we're pumping out 60 frames a day with five people. Wow. That yeah.
1: includes designers. That's it. Wow. Wow.
3: You can you can really you can really produce with a metal printer. You got to pay a lot for it, but it pays itself off pretty quick.
1: Sure. So after the electric polishing, how much time do you do you have? You know, human hands on it finishing it.
3: They like to keep it uh, about three minutes. So if they can get one polished out and run it in three minutes, obviously the support removal is a couple minutes. So we've got less than 10 minutes on hand for, you know, everything, QC, wow. everything on each frame. That is simple. So yep. And as they're doing a batch, you know, they're doing a, a bunch at one time. So they do one process. So it's actually a little quicker than that. If they're doing individuals, you know, you got to slow down do each one for the you know, finish it out and whatnot, but it's pretty
2: efficient. So do they ever, uh, this is going to be a, a weird question, but do they ever go <laughs> out of calibration where like you're like, all of a sudden the frames aren't fitting and you have to go back and, and look at all the specs.
3: Uh, We, we, in the last year we've seen a little bit of everything with these. (laughs) So we uh, being, like I said, they were the first ones in the U S they were the first ones dedicated to dental as well. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of learning curve in the first, uh, especially the first three months, the first three months we couldn't figure anything out. (laughs) We did a ton of manual labor. So, the dialing in is mostly nesting. The The poners stay pretty solid. I mean, they just sit in a room all day. As long as you're not bumping them or doing anything on them, they yeah. really don't go out of, out of spec. You know, everything stays pretty dialed in and, and calibrated and whatnot. But the nesting was our, our biggest hurdle to kind of get through. The warpage and whatnot that's caused by that laser is huge. So. Yeah we had no idea that they would warp or do the things that we saw. So anything we had with like a flat plate or anything like that, which was warped all over and not fitting and we couldn't figure it out. And I probably laser wanted it for five hours a day. Oh God. Yeah. I can oh, see it was that. a lot of fun. It was yeah. so much fun. And we found a nesting company called Octon and they completely spun it around. They, they were the magic ticket we needed and it actually automates everything. So you just kind of dump your frames in there. You check and make sure that everything looks as you're you're looking for, and you tell it to nest, and it has AI and
2: nests for you. The most, you know, complicated way that it can get it in there, and you get the most frames per batch. Wow. So go back to the warpings. How is incomplete nesting, I guess? Uh, how does that cause warping? What did you say? So what it is, is it's the lack of support.
3: So and the style of the support. So the shape of the supports, as well as how many supports and where they support. Yep. All of that is crucial. Initially, we were using a support that was basically, it looked like a thousand toothpicks. So there were singular, like, just little pillars all over. But they weren't interconnected. Uh-huh. And that was allowing warpage on smaller parts. They weren't really used to that on their other printers because they were doing more, like, larger manufacturing. Yep. With uh-huh. every part is unique. Every part is different. And the software just... Didn't know, you know, it had no idea it would it would print a frame and some of them would fit, certain shapes wouldn't, certain orientations. I mean, you would have the same frame and you would turn it 90 degrees and it would fit fine that time. So it was a lot of that, you know, learning about nesting. Uh, our new supports with Octan actually has all interconnected supports, so it has miniature pillars that are all connected, and that allowed enough strength so that nothing twisted or warped or did anything like that. So that was.
2: That was the key. So they already worked all that out for you, and basically, it reads it, and the AI just goes ahead and takes care of it.
3: Yeah, it was. It was definitely a learning. So it learns as you go. So our first few weeks with it, it it was a lot of confusion, just trying to figure out like, what are we doing? What are we What are we looking for here? Because again, I had no idea what I was <laughs> doing. I know how to cast. But, uh, I'm winging it. So. We got that figured out pretty pretty easily in about two weeks of using them, of what supports and how to support and what orientations work. And sometimes you gotta throw a little connecting bar on a class that, you know, is just being a nightmare. You got a long road charm or something. And it's yep. just too long for that thing not to warp, even with support. So you would kind of connect it back to the major connector and whatnot. Little stuff like that was just the learning curve, I would call it. Wow.
1: I'm assuming that with a metal printer and the build plate going down, it doesn't fail like a resin printer that goes up. You nope. know, when, when those are printing and you have a failure, it's kind of obvious, like mid-print. You probably don't see it until well after the process.
3: Nope, you don't see anything. As it's printing, it throws that extra layer of metal on, so every time it goes down, it just looks like a fresh plate. It looks perfect every pass mm. until you pull it out and you see all the supports that fell off or your machine screams at you because it's bound up because the support broke and is now, you know holding up your arm from being able to rotate and put powder on. You you definitely get the surprise every time. <laughs> Most of the time, not a good surprise.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned an arm. What is it like? A, like a windshield wiper pushing out a, a fresh layer?
3: Yep. It's uh, funny you say it. They actually call it the wiper blade. That is oh, it's, that's it hilarious. Is, it looks exactly like a wiper blade. Uh, it's got a little silicone blade that, I mean, looks like windshield wiper. And yeah. you, you replace that as it, you know, it gets torn up. But yeah, it just rotates 360 degrees. It basically... While it's printing, it's running 360 all the time. It's just constantly going because the arm is slower than the laser. So, yeah, it just that arm keeps rotating. Your reservoir pops up 40 microns, lets that powder spread, and
2: your res- or your build plate goes down, and that arm just keeps rotating around. So do you guys only have one option of the uh, metal? Like, is it only chrome cobalt? I don't even know if there's any other options out there, but is it just that one metal? That's all we offer here. Chrome cobalt is mildly reactive. But the titanium
3: that you can also print, our, all of our printers are capable of printing titanium, hmm. but it is very reactive. So any sparks, anything like that, it, it gets pretty dangerous. And our landlord asked if we didn't blow the entire complex up. So he wow. told us we should probably steer clear of that. Why is that? You know, I asked. I told him he's got insurance. He would be fine, you know. He <laughs> <laughs> <You know, like,
1: laughs> no, might I mean, end up in a, a better spark? place. <laughs>
3: know, you, brand new building, it sounds like to me, but. Why does it spark? So just it's granulated, so it's almost like a metal dust, and it's almost like you—I don't know if you've seen like a, a a grain silo or something. Those explode as well. Anything granulated and that small of a piece is flammable, so it will actually combust. Damn. Yep. So That's crazy. Yeah, chrome cobalt isn't bad. It's 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 pretty it's pretty mild, uh, less you know reaction, and it's also less you know, your your hands and whatnot aren't going to break out or anything like that. It's it's a pretty easy to use metal, and it's the most common. Also the cheapest, so.
1: Yeah. The printers are able to print titanium. Does that mean you can do bars and abutments?
2: We absolutely can. I was thinking abutments. I wasn't thinking bars. Wow. We do
3: a decent amount of, you know, copings and whatnot right now with what we've got. We don't do enough titanium to print. They mill all their titanium. So at the amount that we were at, we said it's just not, you know, when we are looking sure. at one, it's not, it's not as much work as this. So we, we just kind of stuck with this. Again, not knowing the printers either. When we first started, we were like, ah, are we really going to go titanium? Do we really need this? So we bought titanium-capable printers. But after a short period of time and seeing what we've got going on, we said, yeah, the, just the load isn't there and how much we would have to change. Because you do have to do a lot using multiple metals. So if you use multiple metals, you need a machine dedicated to that. And that comes along with everything else. Your sieves that, that filter your metal after you're done using it. Because you just reuse your metal. So everything that's still in a powdered form. You run through a sieve it filters out all the chunks or bubbles or any splatter that that laser caused and you just have you know same metal right back to it so there's very uh, less than one percent loss oh wow yeah so the the sieve i believe was like ten thousand dollars it was ridiculous so we're like well was it just like a coffee filter basically it just it's an ultrasonic coffee shaker it just shakes it out and then it's a screen that shakes i mean it's the easiest thing ever for ten thousand dollars yeah i'm in the wrong business (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, our vacuum, just the vacuum that's safe, you know, that goes through and, and pulls all that metal powder so it's not particularized in the air and whatnot. It's also blast safe, and I believe that was $14,000. So wow. It's, Damn. It's very expensive when you start to get into it. You see the printer price, but you don't know that there's a lot of other things that go in there. You've got ovens. You've got your saw that you have to try to figure out because nobody makes a saw for this. You can buy a very big, expensive industrial saw, but at the same time, it's cutting off little tiny parts, and it's pretty rough. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into jumping into printing that we didn't really know until we kind of dove in. We're like, oh.
1: I don't think anybody does. But the vacuum. So what's the maintenance on these? You got to vacuum it out every time? So you, you basically,
3: when you open the door, there's like a residue around the outside. Basically stuff that you don't want to breathe. When you first open it, a little bit of that metal falls out. You're basically cleaning it with a vacuum to the point to get anything that you can't brush back into that catch reservoir.
1: Okay, yeah.
3: Obviously, you want to catch as much metal as you can. Uh, any metal that you catch is safe, so that's free. So we, we try to save and catch as much as possible. And then the vacuum does have a bag, and it catches all of your metal. So that metal we just use for toys and trinkets and stormtrooper heads and everything else that we do. So it's, I saw
1: that online. Yeah. It, oh, so, so wait,
2: you can use print? the metal to print like faces and jewelry or anything like that? You can reuse it?
3: If you can make an STL for it, this thing will print it. Wow. It's That's it's silly. pretty fun. We've
2: we printed some interesting stuff. <laughs> we'll say
3: that
1: <laughs> out of the vacuum metal.
3: Uh, hey, it's free powder. We said, hey, if it's free, I mean, we got to do something with We can't. I have, hear you. You can't put in someone's mouth, so I mean, we have to make something completely uh, useful to us.
1: <laughs> oh, cool. Stormtrooper
3: heads, you know, very very useful.
1: but what other maintenance is involved you know it's not like you're replacing burrs or anything like that
3: so they basically come in every six months to a year whichever you know you kind of sign up for you sign up for a maintenance plan uh, yeah and they come in and do all the you know technical things that i don't know what i'm doing in there and poking things and wiggling wires and whatever it is that they do i honestly have no idea
1: (laughs) yeah Let them do their thing.
3: There is filters that kind of catch. So whenever you uh, laser, it puts off a soot. So you're you're heating that metal and whatnot. It's taking it to a a liquid state, which is releasing gases. So there is a filter that catches all that in the back that you replace uh, like every other month or so. Uh, It kind of tells you, you can see that it's not working like it was or it'll pop up an error and say, hey, time to clean. But other than that, I mean, there's not a ton of like maintenance like that. They just kind of run until you hope nothing breaks. Yeah. What happens
2: if it does break? It's $10,000.
3: Uh, well, we just left our warranty period, so we don't know yet.
2: <laughs>
3: we uh, we called the guys in Germany and they uh, they tell us how much we have to pay them, I guess. Yeah. So far, like I said, everything's been under warranty that we've had anything happen. So, so far we've, we've, we've had a pretty good run.
2: So how do you know when you need another printer? I mean, obviously it's because you get too busy, but I mean, if you're running at 24 hours, is there any plans to get another one? And if so, like, how do you know when you just can't keep up with the volume anymore and... Or do you guys keep selling to labs like what is your business plan well what we did so like i said we just did get a new printer
3: last week so once we were to the point where we were running all four yeah basically all the time yeah we realized we didn't have a backup plan so when something breaks we were in a, a real pickle
2: mm-hmm. so
3: we opted to just go ahead and get a new bigger machine this time so wow. that, that takes up so we got our new one will run about 24 frames instead of the others running seven of piece so it's it's a it's a longer build time, but it is faster because we're getting you know four times as many on. It's 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 definitely an improvement, so we like this guy.
1: Twenty four frames at once.
3: Yes, yes, we got a 3D Systems uh, Flex 200, so it's got a 140 millimeter build plate, so it's and it's square as well. So instead of being round, you've got those corners to work with. And yep, I just loaded uh, this morning's nesting took 22. So depending on how many uppers and lowers
2: and size of frames and whatnot. Uh, it's it's pretty nice. You went with a different company of the printer that you already have, or you went with the same company with a better, bigger printer. So our
3: first ones were made by Two One Labs. They were, they're, they're like a, I would call it a great entry level machine. But yeah. now that we're really ramping up, we needed something a little bigger. You went um, for the big dog. We went for the. <laughs> big uh, They currently they only offer the small printers. Um, they're in works of you know building a bigger printer and whatnot. But it just wasn't it wasn't timed out for what we needed. So we, we kind of had to take a dive into this this big guy here. Uh, so I flew out, saw the facility. They do a ton of fun stuff out there. I mean, they're doing spines and stuff. They're doing really intricate, real, like heavy into medical. Uh, the FDA has an office there. They just hang out there all the time. That's what wow. they're doing. So, yeah, I got to play around there a couple times. And that was the deciding factor of seeing this huge place that's They've got one in North Carolina and they have one in Colorado. So it's, you know, we, we can kind of get people here and whatnot. So we, we
2: like that aspect of it. And nice. it's so far, it's been great. And they're not just dental.
3: No, they aren't just dental. They are heavy into medical. They do a lot of uh, SLS printing as well, which is the plastics and stuff. So it's kind of like similar to resin, but it's, it's like a powdered plastic. So they use a laser as well. So that's a really cool thing that they're doing out there. They, they've got a lot of fun toys out
1: there. The labs that send you work, are they all over the country or are they mostly in Florida?
3: We have labs from Florida to Washington State. So we, we run the gamut of everywhere in the U.S. Obviously, being digital now, it's so great. You can send a case over, you can do all your reviews, you're not back and forth on a stone model, and then two-day shipping, it's right back to you. So it's, it's great to be able to reach out everywhere.
1: So how long is the process? If, if a lab sends you a model, or I imagine just an STL of a scan, when can they expect a frame back?
3: Five days. We keep it for five days here. We always try to kind of kick them out. We, we like to run it at four days, honestly. Uh, keep that spare day for just in case. Uh, but five days from the day that we receive it to the time it's leaving to It's five working days.
1: And it's completely finished, polished to perfection.
3: Ready to roll. Perfect.
1: I've seen printed frameworks in the past, and they didn't look great, and they didn't look like traditional frameworks. You're telling me these things look exactly the same?
3: You can't tell the difference. So a few years ago, I would say four or five years ago, when I first kind of got into looking into these, you could flip them over and you'd see all the build layers and everything was kind of grainy. It's nothing like that. The orientation that we print them, we put any of our supports or any of our stuff that's going to be, you know, kind of cosmetically imperfect on the side that we're going to polish. And being that we hand polish every frame still, it is exactly the same. We don't, there's some that, you know, you kind of see that they just run through that polish unit. And if you leave it at that, it doesn't. It doesn't look like that casted frame that everybody's looking for. So we went ahead and just took the step. We, we still hand polish just like the old style on the same lathe. I've still got the same lathe I've had since I started in the industry. So,
1: that You got, got for free from that other lathe?
3: That is exactly <laughs> right. That's, That's right. Hilarious. It is amazing how much stuff they threw away.
1: Wow. Right place at the right time. I'm telling you.
3: I, I got that laser welder, so I got a. It was a Laser Star laser welder. I'm a great welder. I ran it for a few years, and I was working at the other lab, and their welder broke. And I was like, I have a laser welder at home, and everybody looks at me like, "What are you talking about,
1: <laughs> nerd?" I have a laser yeah.
3: welder in my shop. What do you mean? I, I weld jewelry for the local jewelry shop. Uh, <laughs> and he says, "Well, I have this. Uh, I have this delivery car. You want this? I'll trade you a delivery car for your welder." That's- well, absolutely. I need an extra. I need a four door car. You know, I was driving a truck at the time, so I traded that laser welder that they threw away for a two year old Corolla. I mean, wow. it was. Wow. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Car for car for free welder. That sounds like a deal.
1: Straight <laughs> up, if you ask me. I'm telling you,
3: <laughs> it's amazing how much stuff they threw away that I just took home and and resold or used or gave away. It it, it was the perks of working at corporate.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah for sure. So has anything about doing the frames changed, like the designs or anything that's been updated throughout the years since you started?
3: Um, I wouldn't say design because a lot of those doctors are are stuck in their ways and they want exactly what they've always got. Yeah. So we tried to avoid some stuff when we were first, you know, learning and whatnot. We were having some, you know, fit issues and whatnot based on that nesting. So we were we we kind of modified stuff and tried to steer clear of certain things. And now that we've got everything dialed in, it is. It, exactly as it always was wow. um nothing's nothing's changed uh, doctors actually it. are you sure you didn't cast this or? <laughs> <laughs> we don't <Nice>. cast <laughs> so absolutely the same as always are there any scans you
1: get that you just can't do it on
3: no i mean obviously if it's just a terrible scam but that's just sure anything that you can design on but no we haven't found much of anything that we can't nest obviously every once in a while you'll have something that comes in that's real wonky or something weird and you may have to do it two times just to get it dialed in perfect. But very rarely do we see that anymore.
1: What is your success rate of it printing and then just like dropping on that model?
3: Nowadays, about 95%. They are they are dialed in now. We got that it figured really out. Spectacular. And, uh, wow. New printers, you know, took very little to get dialed in. I mean, that was uh, one test print. You know, one, one test plate, it was there. And same thing. We're, we're a weekend and it's fitting perfect. So we, we definitely figured something out in the first year.
1: Wow. Are you blocking out on models? Uh, Digitally. We don't do any actual physical blockout. Sure, sure. Yeah, this is what I meant.
3: Yep, exactly. So we still block out on the models just like you normally would. But I I design now just like I did when I was doing printer cast. So it's exactly the same process, same blockout rates. Um, We can actually make everything a lot thinner and more flexible now is the biggest thing. Obviously, when you're casting, that metal has to have a certain size channel for it to to move through when it's liquid. So if you made your plates too thin and whatnot... It, it just, it would short cast. So you saw a lot of stuff that was like a mill and a half thick. You know, you, you've got a lot of metal in your mouth and patients hate that. We can keep these plates under a millimeter and still keep that strength. And it is ultra light and people seem to love that. Interesting.
1: What about clasp? I mean, those, those don't have any issues with fit or finishing or anything.
3: So the biggest thing with clasps for years is they were not flexible. For whatever reason, the print process just... They just weren't there. And so when we started printing, that was one of our biggest things in the research side of things like, hey, we have to have flexible class. We can't have these stiff class that look great that don't work because that's counterintuitive to what we're trying to it's do. Got to go
1: over that height of contour. Just
3: exactly. Say. So once we kind of dialed that in with the metal company, that's why we went with the company we went with. We tried a few metals and that Shepherd metal with our kneeling process. Mm-hmm. We joke when I take them to the shows, I, I have a bunch of them out there and people are kind of timid about them like, no, no, no. Bend on it, bend it back and forth, up and down. You can bend those things like I've never seen a clasp bend in my life. They're the most flexible. We had a count on one of our favorites, and it was into the hundreds of how many times people bent it back and forth and made it springy and, and played with it. It, it. it has come a long ways.
1: Wow. So we're talking about it being easier for chair side adjustments.
3: Absolutely. You can, you can wrench them around and bend them back in, and you're not screaming because you got a finished partial that you just broke the clasp on, you got to restart. That is a thing of the past.
1: And I imagine, dumb question, but got to be stated, you finish it just like every other metal partial. I mean, you still put traditional acrylic on it. And...
3: Yep, exactly. We did uh, a handful of resin-printed saddles, um, and they, they were oh. good. The acrylic just isn't there. It's not high-impact yet. So we kind of steered away from that just until they kind of get that dialed in. Uh, Interstratus is kind of working on stuff like that, and we're, we, we looked into a few of those. But even that, that, that was... All in one design, you could design everything from start to finish. So you would basically be putting your Legos together. You'd pop that frame out, the teeth and everything that you designed would just lock right in, and you would you would just loot it just like you would do a normal uh, digital denture.
1: What about if you, someone needs to add a tooth to one of these printed clasps, and you need to add some metal support. So
3: the metal is just like it was, so we can weld to that or do anything like that. And now it's much easier because most of the time, instead of just welding a little wire loop that always tends to break off or the acrylic spin, uh-huh. you know, we actually just designed a little section for that and, and be able to print it like perfectly. So it just locks right in, you put a nice strong weld around there and you have a partial that doesn't look like it was repaired. It looks like it was always like that. So that's mm-hmm. another
1: huge plus the doctors love. Are you talking about printing just an additional piece or reprinting the whole thing?
3: Nope, just that little section. So if you, you lose you know a tooth or two, we actually print a section that is metal with a finish line and the mesh and everything so that whenever you get it back from me, they asked, "Did you reprint this, or what's going on here?" I wanted a, the same frame, and it's—it's it's it. That's just that little section, and it's so much easier, so much stronger, so much more comfortable. So you're just laser welding that on in place. Yep, yep. We just throw a little laser weld around there. But how you design it, it's snug around that entire section. So you're putting it on there. You're not filling a gap or anything that's you know yeah. potentially a weak spot. Or, so we barely use any fill on those because we design it that it locks in so nice.
1: nice. So you pretty much custom make it. Exactly. Do you go back to the original file?
3: No, we just scan the frame in, so we'll just uh, frame on model, yeah. you know, spray it so it doesn't reflect, and then scan that in, and then we design right off of that. So you're actually working with, you know, your your frame, your exact uh, setup there, and it, it's just as easy as making a. It's uh, the same design process as making a new frame, but it's only a small section, so it only takes a minute mm-hmm. or two.
1: Sure.
2: That's what we used to do back in the old days when we had to add a tooth to a bridge, like a PFM bridge. We would just cast that one pontic area and weld it back into place. Nope, yep. makes yep.
1: sense to me. It seems like a huge pain in the to a- so get to strip off all the porcelain and redo it. Back then, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you're printing chrome cobalt copings.
3: So yeah, we do uh, anything that's uh, three unit or less is what we're doing right now. The other plan for the addition of the new printer is to dedicate one of our smaller printers to doing fixed work. So that is actually as of Monday, uh, we are testing with those. I'm um, just trying to again, that annealing process is absolutely key. So when yeah. you do that, just like when you're running a porcelain oven or anything else, you have to do it in steps, you have to do it in stages, you have to hold for certain amounts of time. And what that's doing is actually pulling the flexibility out of the metal. So yeah. obviously you don't want anything to warp or, or move. So you lay that porcelain on there, you throw it in the oven, you come out, it's all cracked because the bridge warped. Yep. We're we're annealing it that so that you know it all just lays and stays exactly how it's supposed to. So it's it's a lot longer of an annealing process. Um, they have instructions for it. It's a very common thing to do with this metal. We just haven't done it yet, so we haven't kind of released it to everybody. But that is what we're doing uh, as we speak. Are you guys still doing a fair amount of PFMs? Surprisingly, yes. Which is <gasps> God. weird. It's not, it's, they come in waves. You'll get like, yeah. in, in a week, you know, like, what what's going on? I just got all these, and, and then in the two weeks, you'll have one or two a day. And like, what yep. is going on? it's people stuck in their ways Mm -hmm.
1: but chrome cobalt don't you need special porcelain for that
3: they do non-precious primarily over there for their copings of what they're doing so they're already kind of versed in that
1: i get you yeah
3: i don't play with porcelain so i don't
1: know i hear you i don't either (laughs) elvis doesn't either (laughs) there was a meme about that by the way (laughs) so how do other labs find you if they're looking to outsource some frames
3: well, that's super easy. We've got an online portal, so you just kind of you hop on there. You fill out the info. Um, there isn't like an account service. It actually is all on the back end, so it makes it even easier. If you just fill out a form one time, it'll autofill for you every other time. That's uh, gpsrpd.com. You just hop on there and drop everything in,
2: and it comes straight to me. Sweet. And then you just upload it, create a new account, and start doing business. And they, you teach them how to send the files, or you tell them how to send the files and everything to you, and then you just yep. make the frame.
3: It is super easy. That's The, the portal style is, uh, it kind of looks like a Shopify thing. It's just for ease. Um, you hop on there and it, it's got like pricing. You don't actually pay. It's just like a normal billing cycle. You know, we, we bill on the back end. Sure. Yeah, you just hop on. It's got a spot for you to drop your files. You fill out all the info and then done. It is much easier. We were doing like an email thing at the beginning until our portal was set up and that just kind of got confusing. So dialed it in. We've got a, our office worker up front. She brings everything in, sets everything up, and it's super easy now.
1: Wow. And you even I just noticed I was looking on your website, you actually add teeth and acrylic if you want. Yep, we processed the full so we had the full service lab next door. That's pretty unique to this service, I think. Yep.
3: Everybody that wants those immediates or straight to finish, uh, like this time of year when everybody wants their partial done in, you know, a day and a half and uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I no, no. no need no. teeth for Christmas. <laughs> Why don't you tell me in November? Yeah. I'm going well, out of town and it's it's an out of country wedding every time. Yes. Yeah. Of yep. course. Nope. So no, it's, it's definitely uh an easy process now with us. Sweet.
1: That's great. And if my doctor just says upper, you'll handle everything. And if they also send me a script with three pages of instructions on clasps, you'll all do that too.
3: Oh, we see both of those every day. I bet. <laughs> we actually just teamed up with full contour as well. So you can use full contour and just drop it straight through. So the uh, three shape connect, you, you, Go through them, you select that you want us as a manufacturer, so they'll design if you'd like, and then send us the manufacturing file and we pump it out and send it back to you. So that's another Oh, wow, there
1: you go. That's super easy. Scan yeah. it into three shape, use three shape connect, design right service, and then yep. go right to Yeah.
3: Yep, super easy. So we're in works of a couple of people that are interested in that as well. It seemed to be kind of a demand. So we said, Well, absolutely, we can we can print anything. So if someone's taking the ease of designing off of us and we'll go for that too. <laughs> so So how
1: much more work can you handle?
3: Well, now we've got this new printer, so we can handle, we've almost doubled our production capabilities, but we're going to dumb it down just because we're going to take one of the small printers away and use it as our fixed work. So we're looking at about 40 more a day that we can take on uh, after the first of the year.
1: So that's 100 a day. Yep. That's awesome.
3: We're looking to ramp it up, so we are... We were full force. We got busy towards the end of the year, and we realized we had better step this up a little faster than we expected. So we went ahead and pulled the trigger and got that new machine installed. Well, good for you it. guys.
1: That's fantastic. Yep.
3: It's been good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What a great success story, man. Yeah, I man. mean, just talking to Andrew, and I remember that conversation, how it was so new, and he was just thinking yeah, about it. I remember. And now here we are, and Josh, you're you're killing it, man. I, I love it. I mean, from, from bait shop to metal printing, it's,
3: it's been a run. <laughs> I think you just named the episode. I it. That's <laughs> actually true. I love it. It was hilarious at how many people for the first year we were there that came in with their bait buckets and looked around as if they'd just seen a ghost. like, well, do you guys still have minnows? No guys. We, <laughs> we can give you some dentures, but we do not have minnows anymore. <laughs> we opened the attic and it was full of old hunting supplies. We were like, cool we have a bunch of old arrows and bows and, and parts of guns and stuff up here where they used to repair you know anybody's rifle and whatnot i was like well this is kind of cool we got bonus stuff it was fun at the big time <laughs> that's,
1: that's crazy <laughs> well josh thank you so much man appreciate thank you, you. Uh, i love that you're not the manufacturer of this but you just kind of gave it to us in real use metal printing i, I love exactly. that i learned a lot
3: same yeah not a problem guys i've done a lot of research and we've hit a lot of facilities and people reach out to me and ask me all the time just metal pinning questions i i don't mind i have no enemies in the dental world i tell everybody all the same thing when bertram's got a question you know tim bertram reaches out i say hey i'll give him any answers i got because the only enemy i think we have here is sending overseas so that's that's my goal for everybody if anybody takes anything from it even if you don't send it to me send it to the u.s pick one of us there you go do it and we can do it better
1: yep Love it, Josh. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. you.
3: Sure thing, guys. You guys have a good one. Yep,
1: well. we'll talk to you soon. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: A huge thank you to Josh for coming on our podcast and talking about such a new and interesting process of making frames. I was really digging it, as you can tell. I think Elvis and I were both geeking out, but as this technology gets better, it will become more common, hopefully, in labs. And Josh, you'll definitely be at the forefront of the metal printing in our industry. It is pretty amazing that you can make a quality frame and only have to put about five minutes of actual hand labor into it. Frames have always been a hard thing for labs. Super dirty, super hard. They're just a pain in the ass and to keep it in-house. But this sounds like a really good and easier solution. So head over to gpsdigitalrpd.com for more information. Thank you, Josh.
1: All right, everybody. That's all we got for you next week. We'll talk to you next week. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.
2: Yeah, baby.